community is huge. As most of the psychologists and sociologists tell us, we're tribal animals. We have a longing to be part of a community of some sort, one way or another. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with Doug Thorpe. In today's episode, you will learn how you can set yourself up to build the business that supports your life goals. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Doug Thorpe. Since 2008, Doug has been helping hundreds of leaders in all types of business find ways to be more effective, have greater influence, and build stronger teams. He's taken over 30 years of business ownership and leadership and put together an easy, common-sense approach to help with the business challenges of today. Doug, welcome to the show. Hi, David. A pleasure to be here. It is great to have you on. So you left a corporate career a long time ago, and you started without a safety net, which is um, more common than I think a lot of people may um, wish to realize. And then you've, you built a very successful multifaceted business in a way that many solopreneurs dream to achieve. I'd love to hear a little bit about that journey. Yeah, thanks. And uh, where to begin? Where to begin? I'll try to keep it brief. You're you're right. I left a, a corporate career of 20 years. And even prior to that, I was a, an army guy for about four, four years active duty. And then I came into the um, public sector working at a bank, of all things, and had a, what ended up being a 20-year career there with a lot of different opportunities and exposure and uh, roles of leadership responsibility in that bank. When um, the opportunity afforded itself to take an early retirement from banking, I started my own practice. It was an independent consulting business, which is what all good bankers do. And um, from that, I spun off actually about five different inter- enterprises over a course of the next 20 years. What prompted you to leave banking? For many people, if you look at somebody who's a banker, it seems like a, a fairly secure profession. Well, for me, it was uh, uh, several things, uh, perhaps call it a perfect storm. I was going through some personal changes in my life. The bank had already been through three mergers. And as mergers go, there was an opportunity for some of the more senior people to take an early retirement package and depart. I did the classic Jerry Maguire and said, show me the money, and I was gone. (laughs) Uh, But for me, honestly, the root of it, though, is a passion I had for being an entrepreneur. As people who listen to my podcast know, I tell the story I was raised an only 
child, only son of a hardworking uh, mom, single mom, who started her own business while I was still in grade school. She walked away from her uh, daily or weekly paycheck to start her own business, and I watched her create that, and that kind of kindled the fire in me to uh, take a chance at entrepreneurship and and realize that can work and does work, and it affords you a whole lot of other choices that you don't otherwise have if you stay in the corporate game. Yeah, that, that's so true. And and I'm thinking about you know your reflections on your childhood, and if a, a single mom can leave a paycheck, start a business, and get the business to do more for her than a paycheck can, then somebody taking early retirement from a corporate job should be able to make it work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that's my ultimate message to those who are kind of on the fence and operating in fear about pulling the trigger and making that decision to walk away from that regular paycheck at, at a big corporate setting. There are plenty of opportunities out there if you just um, have the courage and make that leap. Yeah, what are some of the things that you advise people not to do when they're making that leap? Because you're, you're right, it, the paycheck provides a sense of security. It is consistent income until it isn't. Yeah. And if, right, but when you walk away, you're not replacing your paycheck with something consistent, particularly in the beginning. Immediately, yeah. Well, there's probably many answers to your question, but a couple of key ones that I think of is number one, make a decision for yourself. Are you hoping to replace that paycheck and create what a lot of people call a lifestyle business where you hit a certain level of success and you're okay with that? You you don't want to become the next Amazon or the next uh, Tesla. You're you're happy just to operate at a certain level. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is you need to make a conscious decision. Because if you somehow think you're going to build this empire and then in a, at a future date have a big payday by selling that, and that becomes your big golden egg, there's a whole different process for operating those two types of business. The lifestyle business, there's, again, nothing wrong with it, but I argue you need to make a conscious decision that that's what you're going to try to do. What is the level you're shooting for? What is the scope that you're trying to achieve? And be really sure you're going to be happy with that when when you get there. Yeah, and when you left banking, had you made that choice? Honestly, the the very truthful answer is no, I hadn't. I probably buried in the back of my mind was the idea that the classic entrepreneur story that I think most people are familiar with is that idea of building some kind of enterprise that becomes a saleable asset. And then you have that big payday at some date, 10, 15 years, maybe even 20 years down the road. The truth is I had not quite made that decision. I was focused on my consulting idea and turning some bank clients that I had into customers for my new consulting practice and creating a revenue stream from that. So it was it was a pretty narrow focus at, in the start. Mm-hmm. And, and how well did it work? It worked quite well for a number of years, but then I 
still had the bug to go back to the idea of building something else, something else, and basically stop working for other people, which is what consulting really is about. Right. And from time to time, I would have some adjunct consultants go with me on jobs. But for the most part, I was a sole contributor. So it was, you know, it was, it was creating another paycheck rather than really building a business. Right. So what was the second business that you built? It was a, a bit of a partnership. And we, together, we built an outsourcing company. I had spent a lot of my years in banking in the mortgage finance sector. And we envisioned a play for outsourcing certain parts of that process. So I was actually invited to come head up and run a group like that for a larger publicly traded company. So it was kind of a bifurcated entrepreneur corporate thing again. I still was operating under my consulting business running that company, but it was uh, largely funded by a publicly traded company. And I ended up taking that business model and doing it two more times. And the third one was finally a truly independent that my wife and I started together. Hmm. What what was the second one? The second one was a a little bit of the same model. A a larger company was interested in the model and wanted to start their own version of it and asked me to join them and and do that. Hmm. So it was, I went through three iterations of, as some people say, I used other people's money for the first two to get the get the idea perfected, and then then went out on my own to do the third one. Yeah, and and how well did the third one work? That you start on your own. The third one was doing well, although there were still some learnings uh, that I was struggling with as an entrepreneur. And we were at our five year mark of success as a company when the crash of '08 happened. And with the Great Recession in 2008 being largely centered on the mortgage finance sector, I was ground zero when the bomb went off. <laughs> and I and most of my colleagues in the, in the same industry had to close businesses, and that, that's what I had to do. Uh-huh. So th- then what'd you do after that? Well, I spent a time turning my attention to the nonprofit sector. I got involved with a church organization that had a wonderful career transition ministry that they ran. However, the program they were running was about 50 miles from my front door. So it was a, it was a long round trip. And I pitched the idea to the leadership there of starting a branch office down in the part of the county where I lived. And they said, that's not really what we do as a church. We don't have a desire to do that. But if you want to go do it, you know, you have our blessing. So I assembled a a group of contributors and we filed and created a 501c3 to do basically the same thing. It was a non-denominational career coaching organization. And that's where my own passion for coaching kind of took shape. I changed my mindset from consulting to coaching. And um, what's the difference in your mind between consulting and coaching? Well, there's quite a bit of difference. The consulting is taking some subject matter expertise 
and applying it to a, a client's problem, whatever that may be. And in consulting, a client either accepts your recommendations or they don't. And at some level, the same could be said for coaching. Your coaching client can either take some advice and, and take a new direction or not. However, in coaching, it's more about helping individuals find their own discovery ab- about what a new opportunity can look like. A, a behavioral change, if, if we're talking leadership development, informing them about new ways to lead their organization and influence their business. And um, it's not so much about just giving them specific tips and advice, but rather having a dialogue about opportunities that they haven't yet thought about. So going back to this new 501c3 that you had created, what role did you have in that? I was the founder and executive director of it. And what years did you run it? It was from 2008 to about 2013. And as the market stabilized and returned, we made a decision just to go ahead and shut it down. We didn't have a desire to be operating in a normalized job market, if you want to call it that. Right. So you you were um, providing services that were more of a crisis support? It was more of a crisis management situation because people who had been in their careers for 10, 15, 20 years were being impacted by that recession. For the first time in their lives, they were being given pink slips and sent out the door as companies of all sizes were downsizing and slashing headcount. Mm-hmm. 2013, what came next for you? 2013, I spent a very brief period going back into consulting while I worked to build my coaching platform and coaching business. I had created my coaching website and blog channel, started uh, blogging and working social media to promote my coaching ideas. But I did take a couple of consulting jobs just to be sure I had cash flow in the business as the other ramped up. Yeah. So at this point, how did you feel about being an entrepreneur? Because you had been doing it for uh, for how many years? Oh, since uh, 1998. Yeah. So for like 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about going back and trying to get a job? No, I really didn't. My wife challenged me on a few occasions to to do that, but I was committed to staying independent and building something otherwise. Yeah. And I, I guess one could argue that being the executive director of a nonprofit is a job, but it's, um, it, it's a pretty entrepreneurial job. Well, in our case, it was because there, it was a, it was a never before, at least not in our area, never before done business model. As I said, this, this church, uh, 180 degrees across the county from me was doing it and had been doing it quite well for a long time. But even when we created ours, the approach we took was quite a bit different. I quickly saw the need that people impacted by the loss of their job needed to refocus their sense of personal purpose. And so coaching all of our attendees through the idea of how do you work on reconnecting with a sense of purpose and separate yourself 
from any identity that might be associated with a job became the real differentiator for what we were doing. And we, uh, we created a six-step process to help people structure their, ultimately they were structuring a job search and, and getting out there in the market to find a new job. But after doing the personal purpose work, a lot of them were going in much different directions for the kinds of jobs they were looking for. Yeah, which is what often happens. Yeah. So in the, over the last 10 years, have there been other major pivots? Um, not really. I have um, had the good fortune through a, a network of connections I've built for the coaching. I have had the chance to go in and do uh, the higher level top of house type coaching at some Fortune 100 companies like ExxonMobil, UPS, Coca-Cola, and, and such as that. But I've also continued to work in the entrepreneurial realm, dealing with business owners and entrepreneurs who are perhaps stuck in their own business. And I talk about the inevitable that as an entrepreneur, you're going to hit an invisible wall as your company starts to scale and grow. And that wall, or some people call it the lid, it's representative of your own limitations as an entrepreneur. You, you've only got so much knowledge and so much power and so many hours in the day to affect any change in your business. And if your business is, in fact, growing, you will hit a wall that needs to get broken through if the business is going to continue to grow. And that takes work by the owner, founder, entrepreneur to change a mindset, change the approach on running the business and take it to the next level. Yeah. Does it also mean making a change in the resources that you tap into? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, when you are scaling, everything is about additional resources and Unlike what is often taught in business schools where you plot a, a, a long-term growth curve of a business, it's this nice sloping curve with greater revenues and everything. When you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't work that way. Everything comes in giant stair steps. And to give a quick, simple example, if you go out and you need some large machine to do your work, well, you make that initial investment, but that machine has a, a specific capacity. There's only so many widgets you can push through the machine in a, in a day. And when you get the opportunity, you get customer orders for more than that. What do you have to do? You have to get another machine and that capital expense is a, is a giant stair step for most businesses. So as an entrepreneur, you're making these giant step decisions. And at some level, most entrepreneurs face the challenge of fundamentally not being able to make the next decision. They're just stuck. They're afraid. They're, they've capped their knowledge capacity, whatever. Or it could, could be ego. I mean, sometimes the big step you've got to make is to hire another person on your leadership team. You might need to hire a president or a CEO or a COO to properly run the business at the next level. For some entrepreneurs, that's an ego step they're not willing to take. Yeah, that's a big one. Doug, what has been your experience as a community member or a leader? Mm, well, I think what I'll just say on that is uh, throughout 
my material that's online now, and I talk about it frequently in my own podcasts, I have a concern for the generations coming up that we have lost some leadership effectiveness in most sectors, in, in most levels of community and business. Some that I've talked to about this argue that it's not that we've really lost the leadership, but they've gotten so overwhelmed with volume and velocity of what it takes to run business now that they're not applying the leadership principles they should be applying. And potato, potato, I think that still means we're lacking leadership. If if you admit you know what you should be doing, but you think you're too busy to do it, well, that's a fail in leadership right there. And I have tried to evangelize the idea that anyone in a position of authority, whether you started the business or you're working for someone that started the business, there's opportunity to stand in as a better leader. And that's my passion and my primary work in the world today. How does community play into that that dynamic? Well, community is huge. As most of the psychologists and sociologists tell us, we're tribal animals. We have a longing to be part of a community of some sort, one way or another. And that's why churches, synagogues, and mosques exist. It's a community. That's why townships are created and sometimes move around because people have a an alignment of ideas and values then they want to share in a community. So community is the format, I think, that we live by. Well said. Before we close out, is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked you? The only thing I will share, David, and, and thank you for giving me this opportunity. If anybody you know does want to get in touch, my website is simply dougthorpe.com. There's all the links there for my podcast, my blog articles, books, programs, etc. It's all available and uh, would, would be happy to visit with anyone. I do offer a free discovery call. We can just get online, have a chat. And if I can offer any assistance in that form, I'm happy to do so. And yes, I will encourage folks to go and, and check out your site and your material because um, there is uh, plenty there and very helpful. Doug, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau and share a little bit about your own career journey, your experiences, and um, some of the some from your thoughts about leadership and business. My guest today has been owner and founder of uh, the Doug Thorpe Group. Doug Thorpe, thank you for joining us. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Doug Thorpe, we learned how you can set yourself up to build the business that supports your life goals. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.